that are uh, that I'm going to talk about. But anyway, let me uh, just move this up. And this is what uh, Dr. Weisenberg was, was telling you, and I agree. Don't waste your time. It's really, really important. And uh, a lot of students uh, approach this thing sort of uh, like they do any normal test. They just do the thing in order. And from what I understand on the computer-based test, it's still the, the same order where you get you know, the multiple choice questions first, and then you get uh, not assessment and, and planning anymore. I need to change that. This is going to be on fluency or some aspect of fluency. So let's abbreviate that as the flu. Uh, here it's going to be on some aspect of uh, vocabulary. Uh, and then you're going to get a lesson plan on decoding or encoding, maybe spelling, and then another one on comprehension. And then the case study is going to span all of these domains. I think they threw another domain in there uh, too, but this will this will suffice for our discussion. Something to keep in mind uh, is that ten questions don't count. They're just testing those out on you. And so when I used to teach this uh, more uh, more often. Uh, the students would come back and say that a lot of the questions seemed like there were two answers that could be right or they just seemed reworded and both were correct. And I think that those might be some of the, the, the toss-outs. Uh, so don't let this get you down, but it does tell you to just be really efficient with what you're doing on, on, the, uh, on the test. And so that's why I'm, I'm going to advocate on the next slide that you do the following. that you First thing you do is you survey all of these written responses first. You can control these a lot better. And if you just pay attention to these point values, the point values are, you know, they, they still count, but now they're giving you a scaled score. And I don't know what the formula is for that because they don't tell anybody, but you can roughly uh, calculate the weights uh, as follows. Uh, I would really look at that case study first. You know, just take about five minutes and survey it. And I'm also going to tell you that I think that you should outline each one of these things. Uh, but you can see that uh, the point values or the values of these questions uh, vary. The case study is the most uh, important one because it counts for 24 uh, points. And so nailing that one is really important. So I would be sure that uh, you do the best job you can on these, on that rather, and then on these two here, domains uh, two and three. And I wouldn't leave these blank, but these don't count as much. And what makes this a little confusing, too, when you get your score report, you're going to get separate little stars on uh, the case study because it is scored by itself. But they combine the multiple choice questions associated with the domains. And so you really don't know if it was the writing that uh, affected your score the most or the multiple choice or a combination. But I do tell students to look carefully at this score here because if you get a one or a two on the writing, then that's probably indicating that there was a problem here. But not, let's not look for problems. Let's look for how you can do this the do this the right way the first time. So surveying these things and then outlining each one of them, I think is the best uh, idea. And then you do the multiple choice. And so the. Uh, time, uh, amount of time that I'd recommend spending on this, uh, uh, I'll show you. Uh, it's, it's pretty much the same as what uh, Dr. Weisenberg said. Uh, but really, the, the, the best advice is don't run out of time. This is what causes most students to have to repeat the test, is that they either run out of time or they burn up so much of their time on questions that don't count for very much that they wind up doing a very rushed job on the rest of the test. And, and that's not good for, uh, for you. It's good for them, 
you know, it's good for the test maker, but not good for you. So I would be strategic and uh, just pay attention to your, your time. And so the way uh, to, to do this is just to, to try to manage your uh, time as best as you can. And so uh, here I'm advocating, um, let's see if I can't get my pen to work again. Okay, great, it's back. So uh, surveying first is just to look over these things and outline them and start filling them in if you feel comfortable. And these times might be a little bit, you know, too generous uh, because you do want to try to uh, save as much time as you can for the actual writing and, and so forth. But just survey these things and then go through the multiple choice and do the easy ones first, you know, the ones that are just so obvious. Because you don't want to miss those. I mean, some of the questions are really long and involved. And they count the same as the ones that ask you what is phonemic awareness or something as obvious as that. Uh, once you have done uh, the multiple choice, and, and I would try to you know nail about 50 of them at a minimum. I don't know if you want to keep track of them or not. If that's too distracting, forget it. And if just going through and looking for the ones that you know is too distracting, if that's the case, then just do the multiple choice. You know, enough with the strategies. Just do the best that you that, that you can. But if you are nimble and you can manage these things, then I would go ahead and do the ones that are, are the most obvious. And then I would actually go back uh, here and do your case study. And the reason for that, and I'll show this in a different slide, oftentimes the multiple choice are going to give you clues as far as what to write in on the case study or on the comprehension lesson or the encoding decoding question or the vocabulary and the uh, uh, fluency question, especially if you've drawn a blank. Uh, and then the next thing I would do is go back. Anytime you save here, go back and do the multiple choice questions that you might be able to get with a little more effort. Uh, and don't be afraid to guess. I would, if I'm you know, getting low on time, I would, I would go ahead and guess away. Because uh, you want to fill everything in, but only after you've really done a good job on the other, uh, other elements. Let me do one more slide and then I'll see if you have any uh, questions at, uh, at this point. And I'll probably repeat the question. Uh, the types of outlines that I would use on the essays are as follows. For the, the case study, um, you know, usually they, look, they ask you for uh, a combination of strengths and needs. And you know, one strength and two needs or two strengths and one need. My suggestion is I would try to get strength one and strength two. Try to identify two of them. Uh, you know, I guess the second strength is a little arbitrary, uh, but I'm just doing it just in case, you know, because the, the, the stronger the case you write, the better. And when you're writing this thing, the place that you want to take the information from is directly from the evidence. Use examples right from the, the uh, case study itself. So when you're looking at comprehension questions that the student gets right, cite them. When you look at comprehension or vocabulary items that the student gets correct, cite them. And, and that way you're really showing that you know how to write a case study and you know what evidence counts and you know what evidence uh, to ignore. Uh, this part here, uh, it's best to try to find two related needs if you, if you can. If not, then just, just put down two needs in this paragraph. So this is like paragraph one, two, and this is paragraph three. And the reason you want to have two needs is for this reason. Paragraph, <clears throat> paragraph four is going to be devoted only to need one and a lesson plan and a, a benefit, a justification. I prefer to call it a benefit. 
And need two will address the second need and you'll write a lesson plan and a benefit. Both the decoding and encoding comprehension questions, encoding of course is spelling. Uh, the first thing you'll do is identify the need and you'll do that with uh, evidence. You use examples from the data that you're given. Uh, the lesson plan that I recommend that you write is one that has teacher modeling, guided practice, and independent practice, or whatever variation you've learned uh, during, during the term. Uh, it just has to be something reasonable. Uh, they, they tend to prefer systematic instruction. There's no question about it, especially for decoding and uh, sight word memorization. But um, what you want to do, I think, is, is try to err on that side. I would be systematic. Uh, in all the things that you uh, that you write and then just provide a benefit of why this approach is going to address this need and why it'll why it'll work uh, do the same thing with the uh, benefit for the comprehension lesson in uh, essay one and two typically they'll give you a scenario where a teacher is doing something and doing an activity and what your job is going to be is to identify the purpose of the activity uh, for developing fluency or developing vocabulary uh, and then uh, writing out um, you know, how this thing works. What, what is it about this activity that is works for developing, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, either fluency or vocabulary. And then the last thing you want to end with is a, is a benefit. Uh, let me pause there and see if there are any uh, questions. By the way, I can send you these slides that I'm marking up. I sent the presentation to do with it. Well, I, they should. Uh, I don't know, but that's, they are on YouTube, yeah. And I've been doing uh, um, Q&A sessions with students uh, from other places who said that they wanted one, and I've been trying that out. So you can sit through that, too, especially if you're having trouble sleeping. I hear they're better than Ambien. Uh, may, may I move on? Can I go on to the next? Any other questions? Great. Okay, I'm looking for my chat window on my screen, and I'll tell you, I can't find it. So... I guess that's my own uh, my own challenge here. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, for crying out loud! Yes, that is probably true. Okay, well, uh, I don't want to take up any more time looking for stuff. Uh, what I'm recommending here is do the multiple choice strategically, and that is go through the thing and find the easy ones first. On your first pass, go back and do the ones that are like 50/50. Uh, and uh, flip a coin if, if needed, I, I, I guess. But try to narrow it down as best you can. Uh, but I would really skip the time wasters. What are those? The ones that are just simply too hard, too dense, and you don't know. Even if you had uh, your uh, methods instructor sitting next to you and a, a, an entire library of materials, uh, it wouldn't make any difference. Uh, and that those that it seem to have two right, uh, two correct answers or are very, very long and involved. Uh, what I'm saying then is don't be afraid to guess. Just be sure you fill in everything. But I wouldn't use this as your primary strategy, okay? And, and again, if, if trying to balance this test by outlining the essays, going, doing the multiple choice and going back and forth is going to drive you nuts, you're better off doing whatever it is that has worked for you in the past. If you... All of you had to do a C best, I suppose, or C set writing, or C set itself, or something like that. So you passed. So by all means, go ahead and uh, and use that uh, that strategy. Uh, don't follow my advice. Follow what works for you. Um, using the test against itself. This is what I mean. When you're 
When you outline the case study or any of the lesson plans uh, or even the, um, the short answers about uh, a teacher's activity uh, and then you do the multiple choice, you might find you know, clues about what you should write. In other words, this is right out of their uh, domains and, pardon me, their sample exam that's, uh, that's online, which by the way I would do because they have the habit of repeating questions from what I'm told. Uh, so it's worth your time to, uh, to look at it. Uh, but again, here's one of their sample questions. A middle school teacher writes the morpheme dicta on the board, pronounces it, and explains that dicta derives from the Latin word for speak. The teacher that asks the students if they can think of English words that start with or include dicta, the teacher uses the suggestion to create a diagram shown below. And so this is sort of like a, a semantic uh, map of a, of a word or a, uh, a root word. And, and so showing how the root word is paired with uh, other, uh, maybe a prefix, a suffix, or uh, some other combination of, of, uh, of um, uh, root words. And so if you get a, a student struggling with vocabulary, especially with the root words, this is certainly one that I would import and describe. Um, I don't know if I would reference it and say, well, as I asked on multiple choice question 41 of this test, you know, I wouldn't do that so much. But it's an obvious example of what it is that they value, what it is that they like. And you can see how the, the teacher is the one soliciting the information and then creating the uh, semantic uh, uh, word map. Uh, so that's, again, something that I would really advocate that you, that you do. Um, in my, uh, the videos that you've uh, suffered through, uh, you, there's a model of reading instruction that I, that I use. You can watch that online in the, uh, even the workbook is free. Uh, you can find it, uh, just go to the site that I'll send you to uh, in the last slide. But this list of words right here, I think is, is probably better for you to use and maybe even develop your, your shorthand. Whenever you're looking at lesson plans or the um, case study, the thing that you want to determine first is, is the student fluent? If the student isn't fluent, then you want to figure out why the student isn't fluent. And if the case study is like third grade, then I would spend most of my time back here and working on probably something like site recognition and, and, uh, and phonics rules, most likely. If the child is third grade and above and still, or like fourth grade, let's say, and is still not fluent, then I certainly would address whatever it is the problems are here but I'd also be looking at the type of text and the literal inferential and evaluative comprehension that the student either has or does not have or needs to, uh, to develop. And so if you develop your own shorthand for this, and if you just memorize it, you can just use it as a checklist and say, okay, the student's got what are sound correspondence, on such rhymes, ones and diagraphs, lacks phonics rules, having trouble with uh, polysyllabic words, and is missing a few sight words then I would be doing like phonics rules and sight word recognition because you need to get take care of the stuff that is uh, earlier in development before you move on to the stuff that's later in development according to them. All right, this is all their stuff. Uh, if you have a student who's got vocabulary problems with uh, inflections or derivations or roots, I would look up some activities that correspond with those. Uh, your textbook has them. Dr. Weisenberg for sure is giving you some. Uh, and I would uh, just review those and try to boil them down to a teacher modeling, guided practice, independent practice uh, model. So uh, just to sum up, this is the uh, order of things as it seems to be in, uh, in Ricaville. Any questions so far on, on that?
In the lesson plans, I think uh, you, you should actually write out a lesson plan, a brief one, but it, it should be something that uh, I or somebody else could carry out if we needed to. Uh, if you look at the uh, examples that they have uh, online, uh, let me see if I can find my workbook really, really fast. I'm not sure that I can, uh, can do it, but I'll... Oh, good, okay. So I refer to those rather than having me introduce uh, new materials. Look at the ones that uh, Dr. Weisenberg has shared with you. Yeah, making these connections is what's really important now because uh, undoubtedly you've seen these these things in class, but now you've got to connect the two. And and so uh, begin to just organize the materials and, uh, and and see what it is that you're going to bring with you to the, the test in your mind. Um, but this right here is so, excuse me, sums up uh, how to do these lessons and what to look for in the multiple choice right here. So this is my advice for you on, uh, on um, uh, you know, writing any lesson plans and, any, uh, and then looking for multiple choice. I'll just put MC for multiple choice. So, you know, write it out as part of the whole instruction directed instruction and be systematic like teaching CVC before CVCE or using what they know and going to what they don't know yet. Uh, so you know for teacher modeling you're always going to do something like uh, show whatever it is that you're going to do like if you're making words show the word cards and you can't draw on the, on the, on the test but you can certainly explain this and maybe you're going to do like uh, you've got a um, uh, a C and a uh, T and I'll just stick with those and then you've got a, a, a word family you know like uh, AP and then you've got a side advice I do you do we do uh, or however the order was I'm sorry uh, but then you make words like you teach the rule whatever the rule is you then you teach the you know make words with cap to cape and tap to tape or something like that and then you know, the fourth thing is you, you do read them together, read together. And then, uh, you know, then have the student read a, a line of decodable text. You know, try to make something up as quickly as you can, like I wore. It saves you from having to, to make up some stupid poetry. Uh, you can just uh, use another set of cards to, to, make it, to make it work for sure. So that's, uh, those are the things that I would highly recommend that you, you do, is just try to err on the, on the side of just systematic instruction, explicitly teaching rules when, when you can. If you can't remember the rule, maybe some other questions will you know, jar your memory for them. Uh, let me move on to uh, number nine. All right, so spelling stages and, and other terms. Uh, this is the link that you can use to go to directly to the descriptions they have for the domains and content areas and um, they have uh, some different terminology, well they've added terminology uh, for spelling development. They got pre-communicative writing, semi-phonetic, phonetic, transitional, and conventional and so this is how this can, this might translate. Where pre-communicative is where they're drawing you something like let's say you ask the child to write the word bread and they draw you a piece of bread this is supposed to be a piece of bread okay that's the best best thing I can do for drawing toast let me let the um, let the uh, gardener pass by it looks like he's done 
semi-phonetic will just be getting all the dominant sounds in the word like this would be really early this would be uh, probably later and then uh, this would be BRD and then maybe even a BR I suppose uh, but the late will be BRD uh, and then bread is where all the sounds are accounted for Transitional is really interesting because this, the, the child understands that there's an E that goes in here somewhere, but they don't know where, you know, because it makes more sense for the E to be, you know, at the end, I guess, and trying to write the word bread. Because if we look at this bread, this should be briad, right? The, or bree, breed, because this vowel uh, is supposed to make this one say its name, or however, when two vowels are walking, one does the talking. And so, right, and so uh, here we go with the silent E. So the child tries to apply a rule, and then eventually they just have to learn the conventional spelling uh, through trial and error and, uh, and your instruction. I also wanted to, to mention, too, that, you know, reading through this document, it's really, uh, I don't think, a, a waste of your time at, at all, and I'll, I'll show you why. I, I wouldn't fret over it. Uh, at all, uh, especially if you encounter a word or two that you don't know, what that prompts you to do is go, go look it up. Uh, but it'll confirm a lot of the things that you've learned in, in class, but it'll also train you to think like they think. And I wanted to just point out this one here to you all. And, uh, and, 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 then, and it says, providing differentiated instruction in the areas of reading to support students with special needs, focusing on key concepts using a variety of concrete examples to explain a concept or task, reteaching concepts, letters, and skills that are lacking in visual, auditory, and kinesthetic and tactile techniques, and providing additional practice. So you can see, not just for students with special needs, but really what they're looking for in all their, their lessons and their benefits is that you're hitting as many skills as, or other senses as you can, because if visual isn't doing it, then you have to use something else, like maybe visual and auditory, or visual and kinesthetic and tactile. And sure, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Weisenberg has taught you about writing uh, in sand and so forth, you know, to learn the, the shapes and the names of letters, and, and that's what it's for. You're using another sense in order to uh, uh, to um, to get uh, get at what that letter is. So I got a hand raise. I'll go ahead and take the question. Go ahead and mute yourself. Oh, that's fine. I, I would, yeah, so just so I understand the question is, is using some of the terminology like universal design for learning and other uh, terms that go along with that, like uh, differentiating instruction for visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and tactile learners, or using different senses uh, as per uh, universal design. I think anything you can do, and as long as you can use the language appropriately, but anything that you can do to increase the, uh, the evidence that you know what you're doing and why you're doing it, uh, increasing the credibility, I think, is what I was uh, struggling to, to say. Uh, anything you can do to increase the credibility of your response through examples, terminology appropriately used, etc., that is going to be uh, very uh, important. Uh, for this reason, yeah, no problem. For this reason, if you don't write it down, you can't just imply things. 
if you uh, if you apply stuff, they're just going to assume that you uh, don't know it, and uh, and that's their job. You know, think of it that way. Their their job is to find people who do not know how to explain things uh, uh, properly, quote unquote, according to them. I I would absolutely support that, and uh, that bears that bears. Uh, Evident bears fruit every time this test is given. Um, I, the clearer the writing, and the more precise the writing, I think the the more you make the assessor's task easy by organizing everything and showing them what they need to see in order to mark off good on the their little rubric thingy, the the better your score is going to be for sure. And and so I would uh, take all that advice that that, that you just got. Uh, let me jump over to uh, the my the YouTube site that I got these are I got a playlist for just the case studies I think it's worth watching I have a playlist oh goody <laughs> and uh, multiple choice items you don't have to sit through the whole thing okay if you don't certainly if you don't want to oh good for you wonderful and then it had the uh, hopefully you sat through the essays uh, too just so you could get a sense of those and then I got a, I have other stuff that that goes up from uh, from time to time, uh, which uh, is uh, let's see here. Yes, and that that's from school. <laughs> uh, just give me a moment here, and uh, I've got the case studies sectioned out here. Uh, the reading instruction lessons are there. Uh, multiple choice are are here. And you can find pretty much, I know you don't need CSAT or CBUS, but there's multiple choice in essays, another practice test, and uh, looks like that's about all I have. I also have the office hours that I'll post up here that for recordings I've done of uh, some things that, uh, for some students who uh, wanted to have a study session, and I did that just for free. Yes, how about that, huh? <laughs> She did good. Better than she did on my haircut, although she says I look better. So maybe this was her nefarious plan all along. Who knows? All right. Well, that's all I have uh, for all of you, uh, except I also want to say that you should be going into this feeling very confident uh, because you have had uh, very good instruction all, all term, especially...